What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone's having a good week. I am currently here in Oklahoma going through uh, Snowmageddon um, here for the past few days, or as some people up north or in Colorado probably call it just a regular weekend. But uh, a lot of snow, a lot of ice for us anyways here in Oklahoma. Hoping that clears, everyone stays safe uh, here over the next few days. Uh, hopefully you guys are going over to runthepower.com. We're going to be uploading more and more videos every week, every month. Um, we've got all of our old summits that we've done. We've got everything hopefully you guys could need with the podcast, with the store, everything over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring. And the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with Kyle Kogan. Coach Kogan is the head coach and speed and strength coach at Lexington High School in Lexington, Missouri. Listen as we talk to Coach Kogan about his philosophy on speed and development. We also talk about relinquishing duties as a head coach and, of course, about one high coverage. Although, if you guys know Coach Vass, it's not nearly as in-depth as uh, coverage-wise as Vass' as most recent episode with Coach Kogan was. You can follow Coach Kogan on Twitter at Coach Kogan. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, Coach, let's get this thing rolling, man, um, so we can uh, get to talking about football. Um, so so kind of how we always start this thing is, uh, go ahead and let you kind of introduce yourself and give everyone 
uh, that doesn't know living under a rock, you know, kind of your background, um, you know, your football journey, if you will, um, and, and kind of from, from playing days to coaching and how that brought you to where you are now. Right on. Um, do you need me to like say my intro, like my name or anything like that, or just start no, talking? Well, you can just go ahead and start rolling coach. We're, um, we're not as, we're not as upscale as, as, as vast as uh, podcasts. <laughs> we don't, we don't have anything to go through. We don't have anything. We just like to get on here and talk ball and, and, uh, and, and then we can record it and throw it out there and kill two birds with one stone. That sounds good. <laughs> There's like a, or I guess you guys did a pod with him, right? Uh-huh. there's like a 15 30 minute like intro of me and him having to like lay out everything it takes forever <laughs> we did the same thing with vast too when he had us on and it was like all right hey you know hour one we're gonna talk this you know Har- harp and yeah. i are like man we're, we're not used to that but we'll do the best we can how long is it gonna take to talk about this uh i don't know like 15 minutes i i don't know i'm just gonna talk about it i have no idea how long it'll take <laughs> that's all we can do coach <laughs> right on um okay um so i i i uh, i've always been in kansas city my whole life um i went to a place called liberty um it's a suburb of kansas city um it's a big uh where it was a class six uh when i was there i guess it still is um, so it, I mean, there was like six, 700 kids in my grade, whatever it was, you know, there was 2000, some in the school, um, definitely a lot different than where I'm at right now. Um, I wanted to play in college. I tore my ACL my senior year and just the timing and recovery and stuff just didn't work out. So I basically got into coaching right out of high school, um, And there's a guy in Missouri named Fred Bouchard who won uh, five state championships when he was at Harrisonville, which is kind of like a mid-sized school here outside of the suburbs of Kansas City. Um, He got a job at a big school called Staley, which some people are probably familiar with. They're kind of a bigger program in the state. and he ended up winning one there. Well, I knew going in, um, you know, that he was kind of a big deal in the state. And so when I was looking around for places where I was going to volunteer at as a 18, 19, whatever I was year old, I thought I, I want to go learn from that guy. <laughs> right. So I just emailed him one day. I went up there and talked to him. He had said I could, you know, film practice or, you know, crap like that. So that's kind of how I got my start at Staley. I was there for uh, three years. We won state the third year. Um, I went to a super small private school called St. Mary's in um, a place called Independence, which is another suburb. Um, That was an interesting experience. We were a class one. We had 16 kids on the team in a conference playing class two, threes, and fours. So that was brutal at times. Um, We ended up winning three games somehow as a miracle. Um, And then the school shut down. So that was weird. (laughs) Um, After that, I went back to Staley because I was still in college at that time. Um, I graduated from college after that, what was my fourth year at Staley, fifth year coaching. And then that's when I went to Lexington um, for what would have been my 
um, sixth year coaching and first year teaching. Um, I got the DC job at Lexington because the guy that had just got the job named Kyle Barkley, uh, me and him had worked with somebody, um, you know, worked with the same guy and he recommended me. And so Kyle hired me to be his DC and, you know, kind of turned me loose and said, go for it and let me make mistakes and, you know, kind of figure things out on my own. And he was a big mentor for me. Um, he's our AD right now as kind of, he uh, got the AD job, and when he slid up, um, I, I slid up basically into the head coaching job after uh, I think he did both of, both of them for maybe two years or something like that, where he kind of groomed me to take over. Um, so that's where I'm, I'm still at Lexington now, and we finished. Um, this is my second year as the head coach in my seventh overall. So that's kind of my journey. So coach, uh, you know, I kind of know of you as, as um, obviously we all, we both know Vass and, and uh, we follow him and, and have had good conversations with him. And, and I kind of know you as, as the defensive guy, you know, the, you always think of Vass as knowing a ton and, and thinking of you as knowing you know a, a lot about defense and, and the intricacies of, of different things. And, and especially like uh, coverages, so, so my kind of question now is, is you being a head coach, how much of that do you think is important for an offensive coordinator to understand? I mean, is it, is it the best benefit to understand it? All of the little intricacies of defense? Uh, do you think it's, you know, only important up to a certain spot? How much do you think is important for an OC to understand about coverages and, and different rules within those coverages and, and some of the small details? Uh, so, um, I mean, obviously the more that, you know, you know, the better off you're going to be just cause you're kind of going to understand, you know, almost everything that they're doing, hopefully. Um, I mean, I think you at least need to understand, um, kind of the structures of, you know, coverages and, you know, how things work and, at least kind of their general rules. Um, I mean, do you necessarily have to know if it is a man match or is it man? Not necessarily. Um, is it going to help you out to know that? Yeah. But I mean, you're going to attack the coverages similar, right? Um, is it a spot drop or is it zone match? Well, I mean, there's still things that are going to beat it either way. Um, you know, some things are going to be better versus zone than you know, if they're trying to match routes or vice versa. So, you know, that that's kind of one of those things that I think could take you to another level, but you don't necessarily have to understand that to be a good um, offensive coordinator. Um, I think you, if you wanted to be great, then you would, you know, want to know kind of the differences between things. Um, I talked to, um, I don't know if you guys have had Brian Vaughn, the blitzology guy on here before. Um, kind of about um, how like when we'll play opposing teams and we'll match routes, you know, zone, we'll play zone match, we'll play man match, and then we'll play like spot drop zone and pure man, we'll, we do all sorts of stuff. But kind of like how, okay, they match the route, you know, this way this time. So you're expecting them to do that again. And so you tell the quarterback, okay, if he does this, then do that, right? 
well, next time, instead of us playing zone match, we play pure spot drop zone vision and break. And, you know, the kids don't do the exact same thing. So this time it's okay that he does this, which is very similar. You do that. And then you throw a pick and then the kid, there's that doubt, like you're creating doubt kind of in that kids in OC's mind of, well, I thought they were just playing cover three, you know? So there's kind of those, you know, intricacies, like you were saying between them of (sighs) if I have both tools, that's awesome because I can get uh, the job done different ways, or maybe I need to do the tasks different ways. Right. Um, So that I kind of went off on a rant there, but yeah, (laughs) no, I love it. That's exact. I mean, that was my, my exact question. I mean, that was a, was a great answer for, for what I was wanting to know. Coach, I'm interested, you know, obviously you study to me more film than just about anyone, but I, I want to know like kind of your history of, you know, being kind of a, a Saban disciple, I would say. And I think you, maybe you agree with that. Maybe you don't, but I would yeah. say that's probably kind of your, your bag, you know, how you kind of went down that road and then maybe the history of how, you know, you learned it, uh, you immersed yourself into it. And then now you, obviously you're living that life, you know, kind of give me a little bit of history of how that went down. Because I think, again, there's so many young coaches out here that listen to run the power and they're kind of in that mode of, I need to learn kind of this science of defense or this science of coverage. What was the best way or the way that worked for you when you were learning it? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot of how did I learn all this stuff? Um, and it's a long answer. (laughs) So strap in. So, um, when I was at Staley and I learned from, uh, Phil light, who was the DC then, and is the current head coach, he taught me, um, basically all the foundations of defense and, you know, you know, why you would want to play zone versus man or why you would want to play quarters versus cover three, you know, things like that. So um, that's where I learned like a lot of, you know, how does defense work? You know, how does, how do I play the chess match of if they're doing this, I want to do that. If they're doing that, I want to do this. So Phil taught me um, a bunch of um, just, you know, how defense works and like principles of defense and defending different um, offensive styles and things like that. So when I first got to Lexington, um, we were basically running a lot of the similar stuff that uh, we did at Staley. Um, and kind of what led me down um, this, the uh, saving path was um, when I first got there, I was just an ISS teacher. So I was, you know, in a room with no kids or maybe one or two kids for, you know, hours upon hours. So that's where I I just had a bunch of time to, you know, read through playbooks, find clinics on YouTube, you know, things like that. Um, I'd get on the Coach Huey website and read through forums on theirs or try to find somebody, you know, with a playbook or whatever it might be. And so I did that for years. I I did that for a long time. Um, Like, like five years, I did that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got to a point where I was basically trying to kind of teach myself how things worked. And so what I would do is I would, you know, and like these playbooks are out there. I get that question all the time. And so how do you get a Nick Saban playbook? 
I, I would literally just go on Google and type <laughs> Nick Saban playbook, right? It's like, use the internet, you know what right? I'm saying? Dude, Hartford and I were just having that conversation. Like, I mean, I get it, you know, guys want to ask questions, but it's like, ser- seriously, dude, hit, hit internet Explorer, or whatever yes. you use, Google Chrome yes. and type in Nick Saban playbook. It exactly. makes me laugh every time. I mean, it's, uh, what was it? Uh, the Brophy, Brophy's old website. I don't even know if he posts on there anymore. Like he had like three or four of them just, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody to download or whatever, you know, they're unscribed, like they're, they're all over the place. And so, you know, I got one of those and I would just read it like a book. I would take notes. I would highlight stuff. You know, I just did that until I could like memorize what was on the page. And again, this took me a long, long ass time. And so when I kind of got to the point of where I had somewhat memorized the rules of how things worked, I didn't necessarily know techniques or how, you know, things might play out is when I would start watching the film and try to match up, you know, things from the playbook page to the film, which again, this took hours, but I was an ISS teacher and I didn't have anything else better to do. Right. So I was, I would watch a play, right. And I would watch it five to 10 times and I'd be flipping through the playbook. Like, Oh, this looks like Rip Liz, or this looks like stubby or whatever, and try to kind of figure out what things were. And so I, again, I did this for a long, long time. And when I got to the point where I felt like I couldn't teach myself anymore is when I started trying to find people that knew more than me. Right or had been in the system or whatever, you know, whatever. And so there would be people that I had met at like clinics. Um, uh, what's his name? I'm spacing his name now. Um, he was his DC at Michigan state. Um, I can't, I can't remember his name now. Um, but I would find people like that, you know, that had kind of that new stuff. Right. And they could answer some questions for me. And eventually I found, um, my, best friend Dante Barty, which you guys probably know who he is. Mm-hmm. And he had basically, it was crazy. He had basically been doing the exact same thing that I had been doing for the last like five years. It's, it's we're like twins or something. It's the weirdest thing. And so he had, um, he had met Lanning while Lanning was at Arizona state and Dan Lanning, he's the DC at Georgia guy. I guess everybody probably already knew that. He had been a GA at um, Bama before he was at Arizona State. And so Dante had kind of, you know, he knew Lanning and Lanning was able to answer some questions and stuff for him. So he had, you know, he had known a little bit more than me or, um, you know, he had he had like direct access, you know, at one point for, you know, whatever. So Dante was kind of the one that filled in a lot of those blanks for me that I couldn't quite teach myself or figure out from film or you know, clinics on YouTube or, um, you know, I, I went to like Nike clinics where Saban and Pruitt and uh, Kirby and them spoke and whatnot, you know, things that I literally could not figure out on my own over the years. Dante was the one that kind of filled in those blanks for me um, after he had basically got those filled in from landing. So that's, that's basically uh, how I learned a bunch of the Saban stuff was I memorized it as best I could. I tried to match things up on film and then I had somebody kind of fill in those blanks that I couldn't figure out. How, how much of that, because it was, you know, and I don't, I probably don't know Saban as well as, as you have, cause you've studied it so much, but I'm assuming, you know, that kind of coming from uh, an NFL defensive coordinator and then 
uh, you know, than college and, and a head coach. And so he's he's working this defense around NFL and, and college caliber kids and, and, you know, men and young men that have a lot of time to, to devote to that stuff as players. How much of that are you able to uh, bring to the high school level? Is that something that, you know, high school kids can grasp or, or I guess not grasp, but practice it enough to use most of it, uh, some of it? How much can you bring to the high school level? So if we're talking about, um, you know, out of everything that he does, there is absolutely no way you could do everything right. that he does at the high school level. There is no way. And I, I sent out a tweet the other day because I was reading through one of the playbooks and I got to the um, nickel flex six bump Bronco page, which is basically four down one high zone. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I sent out, you know, when you get to that page and you realize that one page is your entire defense <laughs> and that's just one call for them. Um, you know, could you take, you know, a handful of their calls and make that your whole defense in high school? Yeah, you could do that. That's basically what we do is we run, you know, flex six bump Bronco and then like mint strong three auto and um, like a handful of other things, right? Like a couple of the blitzes and things like that. Um, could you do everything? No way. I mean, I don't even think most colleges would have the resources um, and time to teach, you know, everything that they do. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to have been there. Um, me and Spencer Carroll um, and Dante went one time uh, with Spencer's dad, Bobby Carroll. Um, and like everybody there knows the, the defense, whether they're obviously on staff, defense, offense, special teams, or they are like, you know, director of football operations or like wow. high school recruiting or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? In anybody that's there, they know the defense and they know the language. Now they might not necessarily know everything, right? But they have a pretty good idea. So like, you know, when those freshmen come in and, you know, they have obviously no idea what's going on they can say, Hey, go to the assistant recruiting coordinator. I, you know, I don't even know, whatever, you know, some guy like that and talk to him about how to play nickel or whatever. And that guy knows how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, the, the, the outside backers coach is busy recruiting, doing something, whatever, go talk to this other guy in the building. And he could tell you basically exactly what to do, right? Like they have the manpower and resources to do things like that, that, you know, almost no other college has the ability to do. And, you know, with him being there for, what is it, 13 years or whatever, like, I mean, there's been guys, there's guys that have been there that long, you know, and so they have a really good idea of how they do things. Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I've, I've studied some of it, obviously not, you know, completely fluent, but Nick, I think, right, wants to build a base out of one high. So yeah, uh, understanding that, you know, I've always kind of likened it, you know, coaching on the offensive side. To me, he, he almost kind of, when you talk to him or you hear, hear him talk about one high, it's like there's some point in the game where I'm going to have to play, you know, one high, play cover one, play man, whatever you want to call it. 
And I want to be, you know, based in that because I know I'm going to have to do it. And on the offensive side, you know, coach Harper and myself was always like, we want to have, you know, the ability to get into two backs or, you know, 22 personnel and have to be able to run the football at some point, you know, whether it's, you know, third and one, third, two, whatever it is to me, it's almost kind of like the same thing. It's like, I'm going to have to do it eventually. That's kind of why I want to base out of it. And then obviously there's going to be a little bit more to it, but to me that, that I could, could kind of make that correlation as an offensive guy. Is that somewhat accurate? And then the second part of my question is why do you want to base out of one high? Yeah. So um, like if you watch their film on what I call par down calls, which would be like first and second down pass and run um, situations, they're going to be in one high a, a good chunk of the time um, because you're going to have enough guys to stop the run, assuming it's not quarterback run. Yeah. And you're going to be able to leverage all the routes with the middle to feel safety. And then at that point, it's going to come down to, can we win one-on-one throws on the perimeter, you know, to the X and trips or, you know, whatever it might be where he's too far away from the middle to field safety, which is getting into like divider stuff, which you guys have probably heard me talk about, you know, and then it's coming down to, okay, can my kid beat your kid? Well, <clears throat> so basically it's, and I've kind of answered both questions at the same time, I guess. Of, mm-hmm. I like one high, whether that's zone or man, because if you're handing the ball off, I'm going to have a guy, have enough guys numerically in the run fit to stop the run, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to fit a guy in every single gap that the offense is presented again, assuming it's not quarterback run, whether that's, you know, gap scheme or zone scheme, it it doesn't matter either way. There's still another gap. Um, So I can stop the run mathematically and then pass wise, it's going to be okay. Any kind of in breaking route is basically going to get doubled by the middle of the field safety, or usually the linebackers are going to be, you know, the hook defenders or the rat in the middle. And then it's, if you can't win one-on-one on the go route, you know, I mean, you're not going to be able to beat me, right? Or if you can't throw the perfect pass on the slant or dig or, you know, whatever in-breaking route that's going to get doubled, if you can't throw the perfect pass before the linebacker can get there or the DB can make a play on the ball, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat you, right? Assuming normal talent and things like that, right? If you're way better than me, then it doesn't matter at some point. But if we're talking, you know, normal talent level, then those are the options you got is throw the one-on-one or try to make the perfect pass or run the quarterback. So um, it's really good versus most things. Um, And then um, obviously they do like everything. They're going to play a lot of like too high – what they call cover seven, the man match quarter stuff, because they can get doubles and brackets, you know, whatever you say on basically whoever they want and provide help to the corners or provide help to the nickels or outside backers or, you know, whoever needs, you know, the, the two V one, you know, the double um, they're going to be able to do. And with it being a man ass coverage, it's going to be tight coverage where, again, you're forcing tough throws, right? Mm -hmm. So basically it's, you know, when you watch them, it's one high first and second down, two high on third down, assuming it's not third and short, 
right? Like that's, that's going to be most of what they're doing. Um, third and medium is probably going to be uh, cover one um, because again, they need close coverage because any kind of like quick game is going to get them a first down, but it's still kind of that gray area of, well, they might run the ball. So we need enough guys in the box too. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much any Alabama, you know, defenses, one high first and second down, third down, third and long is two high man. Um, third and medium is one high man and third and short kind of depends upon what they're, what the offense is presenting. So coach for, for a high school coach, uh, you know, uh, either head coach or DCs that are listening. Uh, if that's, if that's how you wanted to go with your defense and be a, a one high, you know, type defense, where, where do you need to put your dudes on defense? I mean, what are you looking for first? Where do you have to have your best players? You know, what positions do those guys need to be playing? Obviously, you know, you'd like 11 division one guys, but at the high school <laughs> level, you've got, you know, if normally a few really good players and, and a, and a bunch of other program guys, where, where are you trying to hoping or trying to put your, your real players at? Yeah. So um, obviously some of it kind of depends upon body type and things like that. Right. Right. Like you're not going to put um, Jadavian Clowney at nickel or, you know, things like that, you know, but obviously if we're talking like, you know, DB type bodies or however you would say it, um, you got to have your best, you know, DB skill athlete or whatever you want to call them at corner because they're going to be the ones that get all the one-on-one balls, right? They're going to be going against the, the goes, the comebacks, you know, the things like that where they're truly one-on-one and not getting any help from the middle of the field safety, whether that's cover three, six, or one, right? Um, so if you can't win the one-on-one at corner, like you can't play one high. Um, now, obviously you might need to take your chances where you're saying, okay, if we don't play one high, we can't stop the run because we're not good enough up front. Then it's, well, I got to take my chances of, do I want to stop the run because we're not good enough up front to win, you know, out gapped without enough guys. Or do I want to play one high where I have enough guys mathematically to stop the run and then try and force, you know, passes, maybe not necessarily perfect ones, but good ones that are going to expose me one-on-one, right? So our best athletes play corner. um, And I've been blessed the last uh, three years or so with the kids that we've had at corner. Um, They're both all conference, um, all district, whatever kids. One of them was a first team all state kid. The other one should have been an all state kid too. We just didn't win enough games, you know, to go far enough to get that many kids on there, but you know how that can go sometimes. So, I mean, we've had kids at corner the last three years. One of them's graduating where, I mean, you looked over there and saw, you know, six, three, one eighty runs a four five ish six one one seventy runs a four seven ish like i mean high school like high school teams at her level they don't have kids that can no i mean that's even you know if you get up into the bigger schools like some of the bigger schools around here don't have kids like that and it's just we had two freaks come through 
you know, where I was just lucky basically to have those kids where it was, you're not going to beat us one high. So, or you're not going to beat us one-on-one. So we're going to play one high. And if you don't run the quarterback, then you're probably not going to beat us because we're going to be able to stop the run mathematically. Now, then it's getting into, you know, up front of if you have, you know, five division one offensive linemen and I have a couple of D2 kids, you know, you're going to beat me. Right. Right. So obviously there's still, you know, personnel things that are going to play into it, but on the back end wise, the best kids got to play corner, no doubt. Um, to me, front end wise, um, we're a big four down team. And um, to me, the, the best kids D line wise have to play interior um, because they're the one taking on double teams. And I mean, some of our kids will even get triple teamed. Um, you know, at times. So um, those those are the kids that got to have some meat to them to be able to hold combos, et cetera, things like that. Our linebackers basically have to be smart and we want them to be fast, but they need to be smart because they're going to make a lot of checks and they got to learn a bunch of the coverage stuff too. So they have a lot to process. And then our, our defensive ends are basically kids that um, are athletic and just they couldn't figure out linebacker to put it nicely. <laughs> so yep. those are basically how we, you know, kind of fit the kids into different spots. Um, and this, this is something that me and like Dante have talked about and Adam, you guys know Gaylor. Oh yeah. Multiple yeah, he was times. my, he was my coach. Uh, when I was in high school, he was the DC, um, when I was in high school, actually. That's crazy. <laughs> His uh, his brother and my dad played together at Tulsa, so uh, I got pictures of of me with with Coach Gaylor uh, when I was just a little baby. Him him or his brother holding me. It's um yeah we know we know Coach Gaylor pretty well. That's awesome. Um, to, so to me, like um, I want to be a four down team because this is gonna go against what a lot of people think. But I want to be a four down team and not a three down team because I don't need as many good defensive linemen in four down as I do three down, which hmm. there's probably people that are want to punch me right now or their <laughs> mind is exploding for me saying My, that. Mine, mine's exploding. <laughs> I've always thought the, the opposite, but I'm yeah. a dumb offensive guy. So <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to hear you. So this, this is why I think that is if I'm playing odd, I need three war daddies on the D line because all of those kids have the potential to be double teamed, mm -hmm. right? If I'm playing four down, the only guys that are going to get doubled usually right now, if you get in like tight end wing and things like that, then the DNs are going to get doubled, but the only guys that are really going to get doubled are going to be the two interior guys. I only need two good defensive linemen to play four down. I don't, I don't have to worry about my defensive ends being, you know, freaks that are going to hold the point and not get pushed back or whatever, because most of the time they're going to be getting kicked out or whatever it might be. And we just need them to squeeze and spill. They don't have to be big to do that. Um, but that, that to me is why we're, mainly a four down team as I only need two really good dudes in the middle. 
as we're an odd, I need three really good dudes because any of them can get double teamed. So, yeah, coach, I was going to say, I, yeah, especially when you're talking like your base defense, knowing I got, I got to be able to stop the run. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I can get into odd and do what I want to do, you know, to get the matchups I want and pass rush, things like that. But stop the run, I 100% agree with you, Coach. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious, Coach, has, has your, um, you know, thoughts on personnel or how you personnel your defense, has any of that changed now that you are the, the head coach and now that you have to – also be thinking, you know, where guys need to go on offense. I, I think it's it, – I'm just curious because, you know, I, as an offensive guy, I'm always like, yeah, we want the biggest and best players in all 11 of them, and then defense can figure out the rest. But, but you know, when you become the head coach and you're kind of responsible for all of it, now, you know, you, you've kind of got to put all those puzzle pieces together with the entire team. Has, has that changed how you personnel kids? Have you always thought of it as a – as a whole team kind of group, even as the, just the DC, how, how has that worked for you? Um, so I, ha I didn't necessarily change a lot um, from DC to head coach because I liked how um, Cal Barkley, his mentality was on it. The head coach that hired me before me was basically where we're going to have our best dude is going to play offense and he's going to be a primarily offensive kid. And we ran the single wing uh, back then and we dabble in it now. Um, but our best dude is going to play, you know, quarterback in the single wing. And then the, you know, two through 12 is going to play defense. Right. And those kids will not come off the field unless injury or whatever. Right. And then if we need those kids on offense, again, because we're a small school, you know, kids basically have to, some of them have to play both ways. We try to two platoon best that we can, but, you know, we had 30 some kids on the team this year. So obviously kids had to play both ways at times, but two through 12 is going to play defense. And if one needs to play defense in crucial situations, then he'll go in but that kid is mainly an offensive kid. And that's how we did it this year was our quarterback mainly played offense and then, you know, crucial situations or somebody really needed a breather. We would put them out there on defense, but that's, that's kind of my philosophy on how to do things. Coach, I know you and I had met, you know, a, a couple of times this summer and, and you were kind of looking to, to change a couple of things simply because, you kind of felt maybe, you know, overwhelmed, you know, being the head coach and kind of having to run all these things. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of taking over and being a head coach and, and, and doing all these different jobs, you know, trying to run the defense, trying to make sure the offense is rolling, you're doing the weight room, you know, and, and how maybe you've kind of morphed into, you know, making it a little bit easier on yourself. Yeah. Um, so my first, I'm somewhat of a control freak, which means, <laughs> Me saying somewhat <laughs> probably tells you how much I really am. <laughs> uh, so my first year, I mean, I was literally trying to do everything, you know, that I possibly could. Um, and I'm kind of somebody, too, where if something goes wrong, like I want it to be my fault, you know, where I, you know, I'll be the one that's going to bear the cross and shoulder the blame and say I was the one that messed up you know, I'll fix it and, you know, it won't happen again. So I, I'm, I don't know why I just, I'm kind of like that. And so I was going to do, you know, everything that I basically could and control everything that I basically could. Well, we went, 
uh, five and five my first year. And um, we were very old school and um, which I'm 31. So I'm kind of a, you know, younger school guy now, but, you know, we were, we did conditioning and, you know, um, gassers and all that stuff. And we were going to make kids tough and blah, blah, blah. And so after, you know, the first year when we went five and five, um, you know, cause I basically thought, well, I have to do things better than Kyle did it or, you know, whatever, right. I need to prove myself and all that stuff. And we did average. I was like, okay, this ain't working. So I got to figure out a different way to do things. And that's, I kind of stumbled upon the feed the cat stuff, um, which is really exploding now. And um, I listened to the pod that you guys did with Holler and I got a hold of Walls, you know, one night and he stayed up for hours with me on Zoom. <laughs> that was fun. Night, and, though. you know, yeah, it was, it was a great night and, you know, basically taught me, you know, all the kind of feed the cats principles and things like that. Um, I bought, you know, all of like Holler's DVDs and um, like some of Brad Dick's and stuff and things like that. And um, I've talked to Dixon a handful of times, but uh, yeah, you coach Walls was the main one that taught me all the feed the cat stuff, which has been huge. You know, it's been awesome for us being such a small school with, you know, limited kids and, you know, we don't have a lot of depth and trying to build depth and things like that. Um, it, I mean, it drastically changed um, our performance and how our kids feel and their attitudes and everything. It was it was awesome for us. I, I, I won't go back. If I'm the head coach, I, I won't ever want to go back. I, and I just think the best part, I mean, for me is, is just I feel so much more relaxed. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in my skin. We know what we're going to do. The kids all know it. They feel great. And when they all feel great, it's just like, man, it, it just makes life so easy. I don't feel like I'm over controlling it. Like you said, cause I would do the same thing, man. I'm like, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to do this? And just once it just kind of comes to you like that, you're just like, ah, man, I feel so relaxed. Let's go. And then, and I see what you guys go like nine and two this year as well. I mean, yeah, you guys, you guys were lighting people up too. So, I mean, it, it seemed like it worked really well for you guys. Yeah, it was, it was great for us. It, I, I don't, I don't want to go back. If I'm, if I'm an assistant, I'm going to be pushing with the head coach to be doing this stuff. Coach, I'm kind of curious, you know, uh, you're head coach now and, and you've got guys running running the offense and, and you talk about saving everyone in the building knows the defense or knows parts of the defense and the calls. Is that something that as offense and defensive staff at, at your school, do you guys try to all be on the same page with what you call things? Is that is that a must because the kids play both ways? Uh, and then I'm assuming, I guess you guys will probably be coaching most of your coaches, both sides of the ball. Is that something that the whole staff knows kind of knows the defense generally whole staff kind of knows the offense generally. And you guys use those terms throughout the year with your scout guys or, or, you know, throughout practice. Yeah. Um, so we only have, um, it's me and four other guys. So we, everybody coaches both sides of the ball. So um, everybody pretty much knows everything now, right. You know, the DB coach might not know, you know, all the front stuff or vice versa, or, 
running backs coach might not necessarily know all the O-line stuff, vice versa. But, we, yeah, we try to get, you know, everybody on the same page of understanding what what needs to go on. So then the other question I always like to ask defensive guys is, is you're getting ready for a team. What all different things are you breaking down? What What tells, you know, in general, I don't want you to give away everything, but what tells in general do you find – uh, you know, that easily, you know, that most some high school offenses have that, um, you know, are easy tells that you're looking for. Uh, what are some things you guys are breaking down? What are you guys doing in the week when you're getting prepared for a team? So I'm, I'm probably different than some people about this. Um, basically, how we do it is um, I'll break down most of the schematical stuff that they're doing. And then my assistants will break down like the personnel matchups and things like that. Cause that's, I don't, that's one of those things that I just have never figured out or really gotten into or whatever was, okay, you know, who's the best, you know, lineman that we need to attack on third down or whatever it might be my brain is always thinking, okay, they're full sliding it. We need to send two off the edge to the back, like things like that, or they're running, you know, power or whatever it might be. We need to make sure that we're running cover three or whatever it might be in this situation, you know, to defend this play. So most of the breakdown stuff that I'm looking at is, and we have huddle assist. So that saves me a ton of time. And, um, so I'm looking at the formations that they're running and then the plays that they're running out of them. And then when are they calling those, you know, down and distance wise, you know, so I could basically make, you know, estimated guesses on what we need to run in various situations using kind of the information that my assistants are telling me of, um, you know, hey, this kid isn't very good. I would probably blitz at him and things like that. How, how are we just got huddle assist this year and, and um, now I'm not actually sure that I'm going to be here. So I, I don't know how to say we, our head coach just got fired a few weeks ago, but um, I, you know, I, I've dabbled now with huddle assist for a, for a season. How, how are you using it? Like, are you guys going in, are you going in on the weekend? As soon as you get the film, kind of putting that in, uh, do you guys trade, you know, a few days early so you can start breaking things down on a Thursday before, how are you using assist? Because, uh, it saved, it saved me this year, hours of time where I could just oh, get yeah. in and start working. Yeah. Um, most of the guys that we play are good about trading that night. So usually we'll trade the previous two. Um, and then maybe I have, you know, other games from beforehand, which I used to be a crazy person about like week 11, I was going to have the, the 10 games that they played right? You know, hell, hell or high water. I was going to get every single one of those games and watch every single clip, which kind of the feed the cat stuff has <laughs> calmed me down on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now we're looking at, you know, definitely those previous two that we get and a handful more if I, you know, can get them or have them from a common opponent or things like that. But we get them that night. I sent it into huddle assist. Um, and then we have the 12 hour turnaround one. So basically when I wake up in the morning, it's all done. And then all I have to do is go in and tag the offensive play. 
because you know formation motion play direction down a distance like all that stuff is already done and obviously there's you know a handful of mistakes in there that sometimes you got to fix but it's really never been anything you know too crazy like it, it's going to happen formation is what saved me the most time um you know walls always taught me to kind of do my breakdowns by formation um you know it's kind of how he had always done it i, I believe unless unless i'm wrong but you know go through formation and then break down defensive front you know but by formation and, and as you as you enter in the defensive fronts and the blitzes you kind of get an idea you know because you're going through those same formations what they like to do to each formation well I used to not be able to start doing those until I first tagged all the, all the formations first. And so to be able to just go through and have the formations ready in the morning, man, it saved so much time. And, and sometimes they were wrong, but a lot of times they were wrong the same way. So mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually an easy fix is something gets typed in wrong on their end. You know, it gets typed in the same way. So it's, you know, filter it and then, retype it all in for the you know four clips or whatever it is but yeah that's that's huge breakdown wise offense and defensively because it's like okay how do they line up the trips filter all the trips ones okay what are they running against this like it it saves so much time from both aspects our our league it makes it really nice because we have we have the a pool already set up. So as soon as you upload your wide shot, then you're you're basically unlocked. You can go in to the next opponent and you can download every single game that they've put into the pool. So like you're saying, you know, I want to have all ten games. We can technically take all of those now. Again, you know what kind of offenses teams run. You know, we're, we're offensively, we're looking for teams who are going to be no, you know, more 11 personnel or 12 personnel, whatever. But it's kind of nice to have it, like you said. And then, you know, we have all those games early on in the week. Now I can kind of start ripping them, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then if there's many cutups, I want to start building already for the next opponent. Like you said, I don't have to worry about all the, the other excess bullcrap that's in there. I can start tagging you know, how many times they target a guy or what areas of the field they want to attack. It just gives you so much more time to, to be more detailed, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So coach, before we start, before we started the podcast, you were kind of talking, uh, you know, we said, what you, what have you been up to? And, and you talked about, you know, researching and, and, and watching film and looking at, you know, playbooks and breakdowns what what do you what team um has caught your eye maybe maybe this season that you're looking to dive into is it is it more bama saving stuff is there is there a young defensive guy kind of up on the rise in college is there uh, an nfl team that's really fun to watch what uh what's kind of got you intrigued uh this offseason um i mean i basically always watch all the saving stuff just because i usually have a pretty good idea of what they're running, you know, each play. So, I mean, I'm always watching Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, those guys. Um, Muschamp when he was at South Carolina, um, you know, some, some of those people like that. Uh, what Grantham, I think, is at Florida, right? Um, so I'll, I'll watch them usually. Um, I like um, the guys at ULL, Patrick Tony, and Austin Armstrong, who's going to Southern Miss. So those are, you know, kind of some of the 
up and comer guys that I see that I, I really like what they're doing. Um, I like Roberts at Baylor um, and they're all, you know, they all work together at ULL. So, you know, it's kind of the same tree. Um, college wise, that's usually who I'm watching defensively. Um, NFL wise, I mean, they're, you know, they do everything. Like when I see some of the stuff I see on Twitter, drives me crazy of <laughs> it's like oh you know this it's becoming a quarters league or it's becoming a one high everybody's running cover three and like you watch every nfl defense and they're literally doing everything you could imagine <laughs> and more things that you don't even know exist and i'm like man like they're doing everything like they're not just running you know, three down quarters, like, you know, this is an NFL team. Like let's, let's be real about this. They do this for a living. They run a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've watched the Rams defense um, this year. I mean, they're, they run a lot of one high stuff. Um, I mean, again, they do everything though, you know, so I've, I've watched some of the Rams this year. They're good. You think, Coach, with, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're big on a lot of the trends. I mean, you're seeing so much more pre-snap motion, you know, to, to give a lot of these quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and obviously you see it in college, too, in, in some of your bigger Power 5 leagues. But pre-snap motion to kind of, you know, give away tells. Do you think there's going to be, you know, teams that, you know, obviously play man and a guy runs with motion – are there going to be more teams that are able to hide some of those tells or, or what are some of the things you're seeing to, to maybe take away some of that pre-snap information to the quarterback that he's getting from motion? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know like Bama and, you know, uh, guys in the NFL, I mean, they're, they're going to run with motion um, almost all the time, right? Especially change of strength. The nickel's always going to travel. And, you know, usually at the high school level and even like with us, our, us defensively, if we're running across, we're in man to man. Right. Yeah. And, you know, at that level, it's OK. The nickels running across on what, you know, jet motion or whatever you call it. And they're still playing zone. Right. Like they're going to adjust every possible way, you know, that you could think of. Um, I did an article for. Brian on the Blitzology website of the three different ways that we handle motion. And so we call it sling it, spin it, and um, slide. So sling is run across, um, spin is obviously spin in the coverage or spin in the DBs, and um, slide is, you know, sliding the linebackers and bumping people in and out. So, I mean, you see. NFL, Bama, you know, et cetera, do all three of those and then run everything that you can imagine, right? So I, I think high schools are going to try to probably, um, you know, sprinkle that into their defense more because, you know, right now, like offensively, um, like high schools are very advanced, you know, with a lot of the stuff that's trickled down or, you know, some stuff has even started high school and you know, went up. So defenses are trying to catch up for sure. Coach, I, I think the, you know, the kind of the other thing that I've seen a, a lot and, and maybe this isn't the best question, but I, I see a lot of teams now 
Um, and it's strange to me, like in college, and maybe it's a rule, but in college, I, I see a lot of like the, the clap snap count, you know, the guys clapping and, and doing that. And, and the big difference for me is in the NFL, you, you almost never see that. I mean, the, the college guys do it not just when they need to be silent. That's just what their, their cadence in, you know, is in and gone. Are there, again, this isn't a very good question, but are, are there benefits to you guys as defenses when, when teams go to the clap, they're not using a, a certain snap count? Um, can you guys get a, a jump or a, a read on quarterbacks that do that? I, I'm just, and, and again, I'm sure you maybe, maybe you don't have an answer to it, but it's just so strange to me to see that so prevalent in high school and college. And yet, no, you know, nobody's using that in the NFL on offense. Yeah, that is strange. Um, you would think that you would see it more in the NFL with, you know, the crowd noise. You know, you can't always hear the cadence, which to me, that was the biggest reason to do the clap. Why people started in college is because you could hear it no matter how loud the stadium was, right? I mean, you could hear it on, right. the, on the TV, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was why I thought people mainly went to it. Um, we, we did it, not this season, but the previous one, um, because that's what our, my OC, he, you know, wanted to do that, thought it was a good idea. And I was like, yeah, it sounds good to me. I don't really care. And um, I, I don't, we, I, I didn't, after we did it for the first year, we were like, ah, we didn't really like it. Um, I, I don't know necessarily why. Um, I think, a lot, I mean, some of it was when we would try to quote unquote hard count people is they just, they didn't jump as much as saying, you know, mm. set, set hut or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, people say, um, I don't know that it was just kind of one of those things that we, it was like, yeah, we, I like this. And then we did it. And I was like, I don't know what it is about this, but I don't really like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of the same way. And, and, and we kind of went to a clap that also, you know, the, the center would kind of move his head. So the lineman would know it was coming. So you wouldn't have to hear the clap. And, and, you know, now I'm kind of looking, you know, more to go back to that audible, be able to use it. I just, you see it so much at the NFL and I'm sure they've got a, a million different things they're checking in and out of with it. Um, but, but to see none of, you know, them not use it as much um, is it, just kind of an interesting thing to me. Um, and then, you know, as much as you cannot go on silent, I think that's, you're going on silent. It benefits the uh, defensive line. Obviously, they're used to getting off uh, yeah. on the ball. I think it's so easy too. I mean, you see it all the time. And again, you know, everyone complains about it and says play through it. But I, I think it's easier to simulate the snap when you're clapping too. Yeah. I mean, you, you see it all the time on on deep defenders are even doing it or guys on the sideline. I mean, it's to me, it's it's pretty easy to simulate that, and it's not going to get called as opposed to you know, a verbal signal when a guy's yelling go or hut on defense, you know, it's easier for the umpire, whoever to call it. We had some problems at times too, of like stand up DNs, like timing up their pass rush with our hand movement. Mm -hmm. And so they would get a jump on, you know, beating the tackle off the ball um, because they'd see the quarterback's hands start to go together and, you know, so then it was now we're trying to fake clap and it's right. 
you know, after I just after the year, me and uh, his name's Chris, we we're just like, ah, we're we're gonna scrap this. <laughs> Coach, do do you guys see much of of the um the the look over offenses? Um, and then with that, I think now is kind of going to a bunch of teams going to like I think they call it the peak, you know, peak tempo where he's he's peeking over real quick. Doesn't they're not necessarily all the linemen are standing up. The quarterback's just peeking over there real quick and coming back to the line and, and giving his cadence so the coach can give him, you know, whatever information that he wants to give him right before the snap. Have you guys do you guys see either of those very much? And and if so, what are you trying to do as a coordinator if a team is a big look over to the coach team so we didn't see it this year um there's two teams on our schedule that have and it's um the same staffs um that had done it to us previous years and so you know the first year they caught us off guard with it where they were you know quote unquote always having the pen last you know, even we try to disguise and, you know, whatnot and things like that. But um, so after the first year, we would make two calls or we would um, we would say um, basically play, you know, run this blitz. And if they check kill to um, base defense, you know, things like that. And so um, basically what I tried to do was um i would double call the defense and then kind of guess of okay if i'm showing this blitz more than likely he's probably going to check into these one of these two things and then whatever we check into should be good against that right and you know it's kind of cat and mouse and things like that um and so I mean, they, they kind of just stopped doing it for, I don't know if it, that worked against them. I mean, um, we beat one of them both, both times and the other one were like one and one or whatever against. So I, peep they, they, they stopped, we don't look over anymore. So they just, I don't know if that is why they stopped doing it or what, but yeah, we, against people like that we just double called it and then we would kill to whatever the second call was that's cool how much you put on your guys you know you know i heard you say auto a couple times how many how much are you putting on your linebackers to you know put you in a defense or is that something where you know you're kind of calling it and play it or you know checking it obviously two by two three by one i know you're obviously changing some things up you know how much you putting on those linebackers to maybe kind of make calls and and run the game plan a little bit a lot (laughs) awesome a lot (laughs) um i our free safety is always super smart and one of our linebackers um inside ones is always super smart and they make all the checks that are within the call so we'll have um like our biggest rival is mainly uh they're mainly wing T and then they'll get into um, other stuff with the same personnel grouping, which, you know, small school level is pretty normal. Like that's what we do. You know, we'll go single wing to empty with the same kids. Cause 
I mean, those are our 11 kids. Like who else am I going to put out there? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the problem that I ran into in my early years at Lexington was they would go from wing T to empty, you know, with the same kids on the field. And then we would be in a call that I thought was, you know, I thought was good for wing T and then we wouldn't get out of it versus empty. So it, you know, it was kind of over the years I was learning from mistakes and things like that. And um, so now, I mean, we'll have calls against this team where it's okay, run base and then check this verse empty, check this verse two back, check this verse. Uh, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever else it might be. And so, um, I mean, we've against is there's a couple teams where we'll have like three checks on the band with the main call for, for some of them teams that we play are schematically really good. You guys pressure check too then as well, based on what they'll come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you don't have to go too much into it, but again, I, I just think, I just love hearing it because for me, again, being again, an offensive guy, I think the more you put on the players, they're the ones playing, they're the ones having fun. I feel like they're more engaged they're more in tune to the game plan when they know they've had some input and they're out there, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm Peyton Manning or, Hey, I'm Ray Lewis mm-hmm. and I'm making the checks. And, and to me, your kid, your kids just seem that much more into playing football. Yeah. Yeah. When we do like our end of year meetings, when I do them with the kids, um, those, you know, linebacker free safety kids that are usually making the checks, you know, I've had a handful of them tell me that they, really like playing because they like kind of how, I don't know if challenging or whatever's the right word of like how kind of advanced and whatever we are on defense and, you know, they got to make calls and, you know, well, I guess they thought they, I was making the calls, but, you know, they were making the checks or whatever. And the, you know, yeah, they, they really like that. This was the first year we we let our center call pass protections, you know, the the basically the slide side or go odd protection, and it was by far the most I've ever had a center watch film, just because you know grab me, hey coach, can we watch film and see what they do, and and because it is on them and and got the buy in and walls something walls has talked about offensive line wise for a long time, you know, giving those guys so many options, uh, I loved it this year. We had a defense coordinator that I hope to get on the podcast sometime that. Um, his was a lot of auto checks and auto blitzes based on formations and backfields and things. And, and I saw our defensive kids, you know, just again, our, our huddled film screen time went up because it meant something to them and, and they weren't just sitting there waiting for whatever the coach told them to do. So, uh, I I think it really helps those kids buy in. It did for, for us, uh, our center anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I've, there's been a handful of our kids. Kids make me laugh. They're funny, man. <laughs> like they're they're <laughs> yeah. like uh, they'll like practice some on Madden and shit. It's, oh yeah. They're like they're like coach. I was playing online or whatever last night, and they got into compressed formation, and I checked into cover two, and I'm like, hell yeah, you did. That's awesome. They're like, yeah, that's what we do, right? And I'm like, yes, that's usually what we're doing. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, coach, we don't want to keep you on here for eight hours uh, and keep you rolling. But um, last thing I always like to ask guys um, before we, before we cut them loose is 
So when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Um, pad level for sure. Cause that's something that you always, we're always on our kids about that of, uh, I mean, if we're out of the shoots for like one week or something, it's like they're wanting to stand back up again. Uh, if if they're disciplined and pad level, then that's I'm like, oh shit, that that guy's, you know, <laughs> um, you know, some of if you see some of the like advanced techniques with how they like double team and like things like that, um, um, yeah, I mean that you know that'll stick out of, um, oh, I'm trying to. Like, oh, I don't remember who I was talking to. Actually, I think it was one of the ones I was watching on your guys' website about like the double on power of um, like uppercut and like throwing them inside and then like um, shoulder checking them to like bump them and stuff like that. Is that you guys do that, right? Um, yeah, some yeah. of the double we, teams we use the, the pull, shoulder yeah. puncture stuff. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think I was as where I was watching it at. But yeah, when you see, you know, some of the advanced things like that, you're like, oh shit. I mean, that's, you know, that's like college NFL, you know, mechanic stuff. And you'll see him doing things like that. I'm like, oh, God damn. <laughs> Coach, man, as always, you know, you're a fantastic resource and, you know, the best part, you know, I love about you, just the, the down to earth nature and you're always willing to talk ball. So as always, man, appreciate you coming on. Uh, and, and look forward to uh, to many, many more conversations and hopefully get down to uh, to Lexington one of these days. I know you're not too far from me, so we'll have to hook up. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.